Hello there, my name is Danny Yeoman, wild bird expert for Pets Corner and developer of Peter and Paul Bird Foods. Welcome to the next of a number of podcasts detailing some of the amazing birds that we see and feed in our garden. Every week we're looking at a different bird and this week we'll be looking at a bird that's not everyone's cup of tea but still fascinating feral pigeon. Chances are, if you live in a town anywhere in the UK, you'll be blessed or cursed with pigeons feeding in your garden. Wood pigeons, collared doves, stock doves, maybe even turtle doves. All these members of the pigeon family are likely or possible visitors to the garden, and each of them can be easily described and identified. But the so-called feral pigeon, that strange mishmash of rock dove, racing pigeon and Trafalgar Square resident, is a different matter altogether. There are great ones, small ones, lean ones, brawny ones, brown ones, black ones, grey ones, tawny ones. Like the rats in the Pied Piper of Hamlin, and to many people, including the former London Mayor Ken Livingstone, these birds have similar vermin status. Feral pigeons come in all sorts of colours, shapes and sizes. The extraordinary variety stems from the fact that they're descended from escaped domestic pigeons that have been bred for centuries, like dogs and cats, for different purposes and to create a different look. In turn, domesticated pigeons have been bred from the rock dove, a shy, retiring creature who shun any contact with humans and still live in their original habitat among the cliffs and sea cliffs of northwest Scotland and Ireland, which some feral pigeons still resemble. Some of us think the feral pigeon is a pest, but I'm smitten by this tough, adaptable and really rather useful bird. It was Woody Allen who put the final nail in the coffin of the humble feral pigeon in his 1980 film Stardust Memories, where he referred to these birds as rats with wings. But earlier it was the satirist Tom Leary who started the rot with his song Poisoning Pigeons in the Park, which explains that it takes only a smidgen of strychnine and it's not against any religion to want to dispose of a pigeon. Actually, he is both cruel and wrong. Since its domestication many thousands of years ago, the feral pigeon has been revered by many religions, including Hindu, Islam, Christian and Sikh. Okay, so why are they useful, Danny? Well, the feral pigeon was the first bird to be domesticated in the Middle East some 6,000 years ago. Since then, its contribution to human well-being has been astonishing. Until agricultural advances in quite recent times, a dovecoot, rabbit warren and carp pond were the three essentials to provide fresh meat throughout the year in Europe. In addition to food, pigeons produce valuable guano, so rich in nutrients that one load of it was said to be worth 10 from any other species. In many countries, pigeon dung actually played a key part in agricultural development. The reliance of pigeons for food declined when it became clear that chickens were more suited to mass production, but the interest in breeding them remained. Much of the first chapter on the origin of species is devoted to pigeons, where Darwin describes the many breeds that can be created artificially. But pigeons are probably the most famous for their ability to find their way home and deliver messages. This was first exploited 3,000 years ago, and by the 5th century BC, Syria and Persia had widespread networks of message-carrying pigeons. 
1950, Paul Julius Reuters fledgling news service used homing pigeons to fly the 120 kilometres between Akron and Brussels, thereby laying the foundation for a global news agency and the world's first airmail stamps were issued from the Great Barrier Pigeon Gram service. The bird's homing ability was harnessed in the two world wars. In the early 1940s, the American Signal Pigeon Corp consisted of 3,150 soldiers and 54,000 pigeons. Some 90% of the messages got through, and these avian secret agents saved countless lives too. Of the 54 Dickin medals, the animal's equivalent of the Victoria Cross, awarded in World War II, 32 went to pigeons. Even now, homing pigeons remain a useful means of communication in remote areas. The police pigeon service in Orissa, India, was retired only in 2002. We are all beguiled by the internet. Yet in 2009, as part of a PR stunt, a pigeon carried a 4GB memory stick 80 kilometers in South Africa. The country's biggest internet service provider managed to transfer just 4% of the data on the stick in the same time. Perhaps it's hardly surprising that the Taliban banned people from keeping or using pigeons in Afghanistan. Amazingly, despite decades of research, we're still not sure how pigeons find their way over terrain they may have never seen before, and with such apparent ease. Partly this confusion is because different breeds appear to rely on different cues. The consensus is that pigeons use the sun and or the earth's magnetic field on long journeys, with visual clues becoming important near their loft, though recent studies suggest that they may also use odour. Not bad for birds that have very, very small brains. Small they may be, but they are perfectly formed. Pigeons are highly intelligent and can recognise all 26 letters of the alphabet, as well as being able to conceptualise. Pigeons can differentiate between photographs and even two different human beings in a single photograph. It's only recently been discovered that pigeons were found to pass the mirror test, the ability to recognise its own reflection in a mirror. Also, and I'm not sure why you'd conduct such experiments, but experiments have shown that the humble feral pigeon can be trained to distinguish music by Bach and Stravinsky, and paintings by Monet and Picasso. The main reason I like feral pigeons is that if you like birds, you like flight, and pigeons are some of the most impressive and beautiful flyers in the animal kingdom. Pigeons can fly at altitudes of 6,000 feet or more. They can fly at average speeds of 77.6 miles per hour, but they have been recording flying at 92.5 miles an hour, and can fly between 600 and 700 miles in a single day, with the longest recorded flight in the 19th century taking 55 days between Africa and England, covering 7,000 miles. They are masters of flight. The peregrine falcon is only as impressive as it is because it has evolved to catch pigeons. The list goes on and on. The feral pigeon has contributed to civilization in more ways than any other species of bird. So how, and perhaps more importantly why, has it become such a pariah? The fundamental reason is that modern technology has rapidly reduced our reliance on pigeons. 
All that most people see today are the flocks of feral birds found in cities on every continent except Antarctica. The most obvious surviving trace of the close association between people and pigeons spanning several millennia. It is no wonder that feral pigeons thrive in urban areas. Buildings are perfect nest sites for these exiles, mimicking the windswept cliffs used by their ancestors. There can be few more stirring sights than masses of pigeons swooping above city streets, occasionally with a peregrine falcon in hot pursuit. So it's difficult for me to see why feral pigeons are so reviled. After all, they're among the few birds that the average city dweller sees regularly. Lots of people enjoy their interaction with these charming birds. And let's not forget the feral pigeons are some of the most beautiful birds you could hope to see, which have long drawn the crowds in tourist hotspots such as London's Trafalgar Square. But sadly for some, it's often said that feral pigeons are a real nuisance. But what exactly are the problems? The standard gripe is that there are too many of them and therefore they need to be controlled. It's a familiar refrain. The accusation is also levelled at rats, magpies, crows, squirrels, foxes, badgers and deer, to name but a few so-called pests. Of course, no one ever says what the ideal number of feral pigeons is, just that there are too many. However, there have been a handful of detailed population estimates, including one in Sheffield, 12,130 feral pigeons in the city of half a million people. This is likely to be typical of S cities. The BTO's Garden Birdwatch survey lists the feral pigeon as the 25th most frequent recorded species, whereas the wood pigeon was number 5 and the collar dove number 8. Feral pigeons are also said to be dirty because they foul their streets and buildings. Personally, I find pigeon droppings much less offensive than graffiti, the chewing gum stuck on pavements and bus seats, and the masses of litter everywhere. Picking up all the filth left by people costs vastly more than removing pigeon poo. Likewise, and although I love dogs, protecting buildings from pigeons costs considerably less than clearing up after domestic dogs. Feral pigeons are also considered by many as disease spreaders, but let's put this into context. Many more diseases are known in people than pets. Moreover, all animals carry disease. The key issue is how often they transfer to humans, and there is little evidence of this happening with feral pigeons, despite what you might see in the US TV series House. Plus, domestic pigeons often come into contact with feral pigeons, but stay perfectly healthy. In other words, feral pigeons simply do not pose a significant health risk. It's a non-issue. So if you do have feral pigeons frequenting your garden, and you're not keen on the idea, let me leave you with the words of Charles Darwin, arguably the most famous pigeon fancier of them all, who sent a letter to his great friend and geologist Charles Laurel, who was about to pay him a visit. Darwin wrote, I will show you my pigeons, which are the greatest treat, in my opinion, that can be offered to a human being. How right he was. One of my biggest fascinations when it comes to feral pigeons is the wide variety of plumage types they show. The plumage a pigeon shows is known as the phenotype, and the genetics behind the plumage is known as a geotype. 
When we consider most other species of birds, such as starlings, all birds appear to be similar colour, yet feral pigeons come in a wider range of different colours and patterns. Feral pigeons are descended from domestic pigeons, which have escaped and learned to live in the wild once more. Through domestication, a wide variety of different colours and shapes were produced, from the grey-blue bar coloration of the wild rock dove. The differing plumage feral pigeons display not only look beautiful, but are very interesting to scientists. Most feral animals, when free to choose their own mates and to breed freely, over time eventually come to resemble the wild-type phenotype. Many people believe dingoes, once derived from ancient domestic dogs, have undergone this process, known as reversion, to become the uniform sandy colour they now show. Although feral pigeon flocks are often supplemented with escaped fancy and racing pigeons, which may be of a range of colours, it is thought that the proportion of non-wild-type coloured pigeons in feral flocks could not be maintained by the addition of these birds to the gene pool. If you'd like to do a bit of pigeon spotting whilst in your local park, you'll see the diverse array of colours that pigeons can come in, and you will not be disappointed if you look. The feral pigeon's song is quiet, low and mournful, repeated poo, poo, poo. Feral pigeons also make prolonged cooing sounds at the nest when they're trying to attract a mate. When alarmed, feral pigeons also utter a short grunting sound. On a side note, feral pigeons can also make other sounds. When taking off, pigeons often beat the tips of their wings together on the upstroke, making a sharp slapping sound. Upon alighting, they sometimes deliberately and audibly stamp their feet. When it comes to nesting, pairs are monogamous, often breeding in consecutive seasons for as long as both birds of the pair live. Most will attempt to raise several broods each year. Sometimes as many as four or five broods will be raised in a single year. The breeding season of these birds can be all year, providing climate conditions allow. There seems to be some slowing down during the winter months though. The nesting habits of these birds are quite unique. The male chooses a site in view of the female, selecting one stick and bringing it back, lays it in front of the mate. The female, who stays at the nesting site, accepts the sticks the male brings to her and places them underneath her. The nest of these birds can be found along building ledges, rafters, beams and under bridges or inside barns. The nest is saucer-like in shape and made from stems of leaves. The female may sit on the nest a day or two before the first egg is laid. Generally two white eggs are laid. Both the male and female will incubate the eggs, although the female does the incubation during the night. 
Incubation lasts for about 18 days, and the young will leave the nest in 25 to 29 days after hatching. Initially, the young are fed milk, regurgitated thick liquid from the parent's crop. Over a 10-day period, though, the young are fed increasingly amounts of solid food, such as caterpillars. Feral pigeons will eat more or less anything offered by humans, and whatever they find in the streets, from McDonald's to discarded chili kebabs and cigarette butts. City squares, where feeding pigeons is a tradition for city folk, serve as a fly-through restaurant for thousands of birds. Although a pigeon's natural diet is largely vegetarian, bread is sadly usually top of the menu for city feral pigeons, but can also include fat, cooked meat and even chocolate. Such an artificial diet means that feral pigeons live shorter, protracted lives. This diet also lacks the calcium needed for egg production, so breeding birds will eat loose mortar on buildings for its lime content. As you can imagine, this also doesn't win them any friends. In rural areas, feral pigeons feed more naturally, but it also gets them into trouble with humans. Whilst feeding, they will forage from seeds, including spilt grain, and this means they will sometimes damage crops. It's considered a potential health hazard when feral pigeons find their way into grain stores and contaminate cereals. Again, this also doesn't win them any friends. So feral pigeons are their own worst enemy, but as far as their gardens go, what do we do with them? Well, that's up to you. If you prefer not to have these birds wolfing down everything you put on the ground, cat's dinner, socks that have fallen from the washing line, etc., then use a totally wheat-free mix, like Peter and Paul Four Seasons, and cover your feeders with a cage. That allows the smaller birds through. Or you might love their cocky attitude and trusting nature, and they can't be beaten for entertainment value. Pigeons will eat a wide variety of foods, I was joking about the socks, but especially Peter and Paul mealworm mix and Peter and Paul in full song, fed directly on the ground or from a low feeding table. Whether you live in the town or country, you can help look after garden birds and other wildlife by providing a wildlife friendly garden that includes water and having the very very best food available for them, foods like Peter and Paul. For more information regarding Peter and Paul Wild Bird Foods, please check out the Peter and Paul website at www.peter-and-paul.com or pop into one of our wonderful Pets Corner stores. And the nearest store to you can be found on the Pets Corner website at www.petscorner.co.uk. Well that's it from me, I hope you've enjoyed this look at feral pigeons. For further birds please continue to check out the stream and I look forward to speaking to you soon.